You are listening to Personal Branding Exposed with Megan McNeil. Each episode, we'll explore different areas of personal branding and how you can build, maintain, and leverage off your own personal brand. Here's your host, Megan. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Personal Branding Exposed. I'm Megan McNeil, and I have got Marlena with me, who is a really good friend from the other side of the world. She is a personal brand photographer, and we we met, oh, it would probably be nearly two years ago now, I guess, when we joined our mastermind together. Anyway, I want you to meet Marlena. She is awesome. Hey, how are you? Hey, Megan, how are you? I love that we're able to do this, that we're 12 hours apart. It's the end of your day, and it's the start of mine. And so therefore, you never know what you're going to get on either end. This is very true. We've both been uh, comparing when we're going to lose darkness and actually finally get some light this morning or this evening as well. (laughs) (laughs) So Marlena, Marlena is a beautiful personal brand photographer, but it didn't start out like that, did it? It was what, what spurred you along to want to take pictures in the first place? Well, I actually went to college for photography, so we actually do exist. Um, but when I first went into college, I did not go as a photographer because nobody ever told me that you could make a living in the arts. I don't know where I thought all the photos and magazines and things came from. Um, but apparently my brain didn't make the connect that people actually do that. Um, so I actually entered college as it was either going to be pre-law or it was going to be broadcast journalism. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I cannot see you as a lawyer. Yeah, I would have been a poor lawyer, though, because I wanted to like fight for the rights of abused kids and things like that. So I would have been poor. Yeah, well, you'd have been a great lawyer, but you would have been a poor lawyer because they don't make the money. No, no. (laughs) So when you were in school, so you're sitting in class about 15, 16, and you had to try and make the decision of what you were going to do. Was lawyer, was that the top of the list? That's what you wanted to do? No, it was not. Um, When I was 15, I, I actually wanted what Erin Andrews does now. I don't know if you all know who she is on your end of the world, but she is a sportscaster. So she goes down on the sidelines and interviews players and things like that. And that's what I wanted to do when I was younger. But you did get into sports, possibly not in the same way, but tell everyone how you did get into sports through your photography. And it's funny because I've, I've worked around sports and athletes, but I, the most that I can really do is walk in high heels and chew gum. Other than that, I have absolutely no athletic ability whatsoever. But um, my first job wasn't even out of college because I was still in my final semester in school was with WWE. I went down, a friend of mine was working there and he said, you know, they're looking for somebody to work in photo editing. So I went down to apply for the job. And by the end of the interview, the gentleman who wound up to be my boss came in and I wound up on the road with climbing on a tour bus. That's incredible. Cause if you look at Marlena, it's hard to tell on the, on the screen just now, but Marlena's very tiny and these WWE guys are very, very big. This must've been amazing to watch this really small dainty lady taking pictures of these big blokes. Well, I, I came up to a, probably about chest height on most of them. So it was, it was different. And I never watched wrestling before I took this job. I knew nothing about it. Um, I just thought, oh yeah, travel, photography. Sure. I can do that. And when I got on the tour bus, we got to the arena. I walked 
backstage the next morning and I looked around and I went, what have I done? How long did you do that for? Three years. Oh, can't have been that bad then. No, it was great. It was, I loved that time. I loved the people that I got to meet, the people that I got to work with. And actually so much of what I learned from that experience, I was able to pull into what I do now because I learned about storytelling. I learned about personas. I learned about, you know, how to create a bridge with your audience. I learned about um, even the skills that you wouldn't think were relevant at the time, just about when somebody lets you into their world that you are confidential with that information. And I think that's something that's really important even now. Yeah. And I think sports are one of those ones where personal brands are really important and being able to tell that story, get the imagery out, et cetera, because the, the lifespan of a sports person isn't that long. You know, there's either injury or you retire in your thirties because you know, that's, that's when you're finished at your peak mm -hmm. kind of thing that if you don't have a story around who you are and what else you can do, what you stand for, where else you could be placed in the world. What do you do afterwards? Because a lot of them want to go into commentating. They want to stay within sports, but there's only so many of them that can actually progress on to be the coach or to be the commentator, you know, because that's you've gone from a team of 11 to that's just one job. Um, right. And, you know, you can do that for a lot longer than you can play sports. So what is it that you're going to do out with that? I love that you can tell those stories. And WWE is another one that's completely off the Richter scale because they have their own personas. Like they have their exactly. character when they're on, when they're playing as well. Exactly. And depending on how well you craft that, how well you can bridge that gap with your audience and, and make that connection will determine how successful sometimes you are in staying. Yeah. Oh yeah, because people pay money to go and see certain people. Not mm -hmm. always the best people. And that's across all professions. It's not always the best person that gets the job. It's the one that's the most popular, the one right. that's front of right. mind, the one we can think of, the one we can see. And I think yeah. that's what's really important about the pictures that you take. Now, tell me a little bit more about, so we've gone to college um, to mm -hmm. actually study photography because we've realized that there is a job at the end of this. You're on, the, you're on tour with WWE at the exact same time as studying is that that coincided I actually yeah because I took the job six months before I graduated so I still had a semester to go yep. so I it was a summer job at the time so they held it for me and I went back finished last semester and then got back on the bus oh my god talk about work experience when you're at a college and you come back after summer sale so what did you take pictures of <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's it's a funny thing because I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, Almost Famous, but there's a scene in the movie where they're sitting on a tour bus and he says to Kate Hudson's character, I have to go home. And she says, you are home. And that's what, when you spend that much time on the road, that's kind of what it becomes to you. It becomes more normal than being home. And so once you are home, you don't quite know what to do with yourself. That would be a very different world. So when you say you're on the tour bus, do you actually live on the tour bus? Well, I did for the first maybe year. Um, and what I would do is I would do TV tapings. So it would be you'd leave on, let's say, a Monday, tape Tuesday, Wednesday, come home Thursday. I forget the exact schedule, but that was roughly it. So for the couple of days that you were 
away, yes, you were sleeping on the bus, um, you ate at the arena, you showered in the arena, all that kind of stuff. So, but finally I, I was able to graduate and there were very, very few women who worked there at the time. And the, that little handful of us kind of banded together. <laughs> and one of the women in particular, she was a producer, TV producer. And so she and I would get rental cars. And so we would travel together. And so that's what I got to graduate to and actually sleep in a real hotel. That's incredible. And um, that's such an amazing experience, especially early on, because where was home at that point for you? Connecticut. Connecticut. And you were traveling the width and breadth of America at that point. Yes, exactly. And parts of Canada and parts of Mexico. That's incredible. Because uh, I know that it's in America. Because when I came to Australia, I was 50-50 between, well, no, I was actually more 70-30. I was definitely wanting to go to America. That's where I'd always had my heart set on going from when I was about 15. And one of my friends said to me, no, let's go to Australia. And all I could think about was snakes and sharks and was like, not too keen. Um, but then I started looking into it in terms of a little bit more sensible and looked at health care and annual leave and holidays and things like that and in America you get a week's holiday so to be able to have a job like you had at that age to be able to work and travel is incredible because I know that it's very limited being able to get that travel time yeah and what was nice too because I saw 32 states in three years um, a lot of them more than once and plus I said plus Canada and Mexico. And I used to get to keep the airline miles too. So oh, amazing. <laughs> Take me back. Remember that time when you used to get on planes? I know. <laughs> Although you become kind of jaded when you're on planes all the time because anytime that I used to go for vacation, all I wanted to do was sleep on the plane because it was so routine to me that it was not exciting. Yes, that's your downtime because yeah, once you once you land, it's uh, kicking off and you got to get going. Mm. Exactly. Now that's not the, the well. There's lots of exciting people you've taken pictures of, and I've seen lots of your portfolio and their incredible images. But you also have some interesting stories about some other interesting ladies that you take pictures of around America as well. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Well, about three years ago, I met a woman here who is a pageant coach. Now, once again, I don't know, I must have been a very sheltered child or something because there are some things that I just didn't grasp the concept of. And pageantry was one of them. I don't know where I thought Miss Connecticut and Miss New Jersey and Miss New York came from. Apparently I thought that we imported them from the South because it just wasn't as big of a thing up there. But when, when I got here, I met this woman who's fabulous and she's a pageant coach and I did some photos for her of something that she was working on and then I did photos of her and maybe a year later I got a message from the executive director of Miss North Carolina saying I've been following your stuff for a while now uh, I love what you're doing would you be willing to photograph our title holder so since then I have photographed their title holder each year and I do her personal branding so that is, I'm not her headshot photographer. I'm not her, her event photographer. I'm strictly her brand photographer. And these are some incredible pictures that you take because I feel like I know this girl. <laughs> Which is good. That's the whole point. Because what we do is we do it in stages with her. There, so there are three different sessions that we go through. And the first one is a who is she? So I try and do that 
as closely to when she is crowned so the state can start to get to know who this girl is. So we have an in-depth conversation about what she loves and what she does and, you know, what she's passionate about and all those kinds of things. And then we create those images so she can start to show them who she is. Plus also it's kind of strategic also because um, when we release those sets of images, it's also before she goes to compete for Miss America. So she has those to use for that as well. That's pretty cool. So your images go to, um, I guess, a main platform for Miss America, which is, you know, like most people, because I, I, I don't think you would be the minority not understanding pageantry and where these Miss ladies come from in the first place, because mm -hmm. it's not a big thing in the UK. And it's well, I've not, never seen it here in Australia either. But they do just kind of appear. We've got no idea of how hard that is in the background for them to get out there. And this, these young women are incredible people. They are brilliant and they are athletic and they are driven. And just, I, I've been so impressed with each and every one that I've worked with. And again, they're tall. Yeah, a lot of them are. I, I got to the point where the current Miss North Carolina, who actually gives up her title in a couple of weeks, Alex has got to be six something in heels and I am not. So <laughs> I wound up having to wear heels a lot of the times when I photograph her. Otherwise, I'm looking up her nose half the time. So, yeah. No, I love that. It, it's fabulous. It, it, it's, and it also scratches my fashion photography itch. So, so yeah, com going back to college and um, you know when you actually realized that you could make a living out of being a photographer, what kind of photographer were you hoping to be at that point? I wanted Annie Leibowitz's career. I just didn't know it at the time that it was her career. But I wanted to work for Rolling Stone. Yep. And then I wanted to work for Vanity Fair. And instead, I wound up on a tour bus with wrestling, which was kind of like awesome. being on a rock tour. And yep. I wound up photographing these pageant girls, which definitely scratches that fashion itch. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, I think that's incredible. They're so diverse, but there's obviously there's a, a synergy in between as well, because they're, they're both sports, whether you consider them sports or not, they are sports, they're competitions. Um, and they are stories that need to be told because it's very much based around that personal brand aspect where mm -hmm. you need to know the player you know right. whether they're competing and they're you know getting <laughs> sweaty with it or whether they're strutting along a stage you need right. to know the player you need to know what you're buying into exactly it, at the end of the day it's why you yep why should i pay attention to you why should i invest in you why you so is that how you decided that um for for joe blogs that needed to start making a name for themselves or to build up their brand for their business sake or for their career etc is that how you got into that because you could see the impact that it had for these sports people that you could actually help regular people do it as well i know actually i was watching a webinar on brand photography and i thought to myself this takes everything that I've done. It takes the the photography. It takes because I, I also had a background that included set styling and design, and interior design, and location scouting, and advertising, and all these kinds of things. And I thought it takes everything that I know and wraps it up in one nice, neat little bow. Yeah. And so I get to pull from all of that to tell a story, and I love that. Yeah, that is nice. I like that. Um, 
Yeah, and working with people is completely different as well. Like, you know, you can take nice landscape pictures and stuff like that, but working with people, it's so, like, I love it. I think it's really interesting. I love pulling people's stories apart and I love being able to get them, to put themselves out there because there's so much magic can happen once people actually understand what it is that you do and what you stand for, how you can help them, et cetera. But there's very little understanding about how important that that one picture, it can start with just that one picture, can be in getting you started. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think so many people, when they go to even post to their social media and things like that, they're looking at it as just posting a pretty picture. But if you're really looking at it to build your brand, there's a strategy behind it. There has to be. And it's more than just pretty pictures. It's more than just posting to post. Oh, yeah, completely. It's, I mean, I think in many ways it's posting to be recognized offline as well, because Mm -hmm. that's really important to me is that, you know, LinkedIn, you know, I love LinkedIn. That's where I think everybody needs to be. But that one profile picture, before you even start making content, that one profile picture has to look like the person that I'm going to meet for coffee. And it has to look like the person that jumps on a Zoom call with me, because if not, there's a massive disconnect. And it doesn't matter what that relationship that you're building is, whether it's a relationship, um, a romantic relationship, so you're swiping around on Tinder or whatever. If you go on a date and that person doesn't doesn't look like the person you were expecting you feel a little bit oh I'm not you're not right. with it it's the exact same as building a relationship professionally if that person turns up and you know they, they don't look like you were expecting them to it puts you in the back foot straight away purely because it's just your brain feels a little bit tricked it's subconscious you don't right. even know what it is that's making you feel uncomfortable but that's mm-hmm. that's what it is but You know, the thing is, it's all about really building a bridge between us and our audience, our clients, whoever happens to be on the other side. Um, If you're in a competition between the judges, anything. Um, So the first thing that you always have to do is know your audience and who who am I speaking to? Because the way that you're going to have a conversation with, let's say, a high-powered executive that works on Wall Street and shops at Neiman Marcus and all that is different than the conversation you're going to have with a mom of five who drives a minivan. Nothing wrong with either conversation and one is not better than the other, but they're just different. And so you have to get clear on who the, who that person is on the other end. Oh yeah. Half the time it's actually, before you even have to decide who it is you're speaking to, it's being able to kind of, you know, let go of the fact you don't need to speak to everyone. And the biggest mistake is always that people are trying to speak to their peers. They want to show off within their own industry. They're not their competition. They are their competition, but they're not when they start replicating them. You really have got to just kind of let go of the fact that I'm not doing this for everyone else that can do what I can do. I'm doing this for the people I can actually help, the people I'm trying to attract. And it is really hard. I think that's a hard disconnect because as humans, we want to appeal to everyone, but we just can't. But that's the thing. If you if you're for everybody, then you're really for nobody. Yep. So you you you've got to really niche down. I know that I'm not for everybody, and I'm okay with that. That's by design. Um, there are people that it, it, we're just not a fit. And but you know the other thing I think that needs to be recognized is the fact that the internet is like walking into a crowded, noisy arena. And people are all shouting at the same time. And the only way that you're ever going to cut through the noise, especially let's say you're 
your ideal person is way on the other side of that arena. The only way that you're going to ever reach them and they're ever going to hear you is to take steps to move forward toward them and call them by name. So yep. that's knowing who that person is and yep. directing that message at them. 100%. And I think that's why it's so important to be able to almost put people off you because the quicker you put people off you the quicker they clear out the way so you've got a path to the people that do need to actually see see and hear from you exactly and i have no problem saying to somebody you know i'm probably not the best one for you but let me introduce you to so and so because i think they're a better fit yeah no that's great now covid put a bit of a dampener on everybody who wanted to do anything in person and obviously being a photographer you had to be in person with the person i mean if this was a drinking game you would be very drunk if person was the word wouldn't it um you know so you you were no longer able to get in front of the people that you needed to but that didn't stop you what did you do when lockdown started well actually a friend of mine who lives in dc she happened to come across, she's a photographer also, she happened to come across this YouTube video about people doing FaceTime photos. So we tried them out on each other and I kept seeing people online, the handful of people that were doing them were doing them for fun. And I thought, fun, nothing, this is a business model. So um, I started testing them out and I actually shot a lovely lady that I know and her husband who happened to live in Australia to test it out. And a few other people. And now I also have found an app since then that gives me even better images. But it's the same experience. I'm just doing it from a distance. So it's still walking you through what images need you need, what stories need to be told. And then I'm actually taking the photos for you just virtually. Yeah, I think it's a great concept. And um, that lovely couple in Australia might or might not be Stefan and I but I'm pretty sure it was because of King Julian that uh, we got the opportunity but without yeah. a doubt <laughs> he was the king after all <laughs> but I was watching all these images that you were putting up and I I couldn't understand how you were getting such great images of people you know fresh images during lockdown because obviously in Australia we've been very very lucky but I knew that you were locked down and you said oh I'm doing it through my phone mm -hmm. <laughs> It was incredible. And then to actually be part of that process, it was it was great. Um, as long as you have a, a tripod and you can just sort of stick your phone somewhere and do as you're told, it was mm -hmm. a really simple process. I thought it was a really great idea. And it's a great opportunity to be able to work with people anywhere in the world. You know, mm -hmm. we live in a global exactly. world now. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's nice, too, because I had a couple, for instance, that was up on the beach in Kennebunkport, Maine. And they thought, you know, gosh, I it would be great to have some photos. Don't have a photographer. Yes, you do. You always do now. Photographer and as a matter of fact, the URL that I purchased for it is photographerinyourpocket.com. Yes. So, so go and check that out. Yeah, go and check that out, guys, if you are looking for some really pretty nifty pictures. And the, the cool thing as well is that there's not the travel time. There's not mm -hmm. the the anxiety of having to like you know try and get somewhere at the right time and you just you get what you want as well and you can be comfortable in whatever location that you need to be because there's pictures exactly. and opportunities everywhere exactly and it's a lot nicer than just a selfie yes <laughs> much nicer than a selfie <laughs> and much better than your insta husband who thinks well, Stefan does pretty well, but, you know, thinks that he's a pro um, if you want to get some real good pictures. And you were doing um, 
I think I saw you were doing sort of like monthly subscriptions as well so that people yes. could actually get mm -hmm. some fresh content every month so you're not left exactly. hanging. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. that's good. So what else is going to be coming up for you, Marlena? Um, well, I have a podcast as well. Megan has actually been on it. Um, and that's called Your Iconic Image. And that that goes into, it's just all of the things that go into building an image and building a brand on purpose that I don't do. So it we cover things like LinkedIn and, and social media in general, and also mindset. There's things on there about imposter syndrome and combating burnout. And the one that got released today is about what goes into building an iconic brand from a woman who has done it for some very major people. So it's it's been a really great learning experience for me as well, because these are all of the things that I don't handle. I, I stay in my lane because I'm good in my lane, but, but I stay squarely in my lane, which oh, is you're great in your lane. <laughs> and all that lane is, is, you know, I help you communicate that brand. That's, that's all I do. I'm uh, I'm really excited to go and listen to Beth's episode. I think I'm going to listen to that in the the commute today. Um, but you definitely need to go and check out your iconic brand with Marlena because Marlena is like one of the the most connected people that I know with like very interesting people. Not always the biggest biggest names, but the most interesting people I think um, I've ever come across normally come through Marlena. So definitely worth checking out because you have some very interesting conversations. Yeah, I have a. a one of my clients too is a, uh, he actually owns an IT company, but he has been on Naked and Afraid three times. And it, it, I love what I do because I get to meet some really great people and I get to tell some really amazing stories. And just for the record, you didn't take any naked pictures of Wes, did you? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I kind of went within about a week's time to taking you know, Miss North Carolina, which all gowned up and whatnot to literally a guy <laughs> naked in the woods. <laughs> I love it. I love the and diversity. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'm not an outdoorsy kind of girl. I'm really not. I am not a camper. I am not a hiker because there's critters in nature and I, I don't want to be around the critters. So we had this little conversation before we we ventured out into the woods and I said to him, if you see one snake, you, you are on patrol. Cause if I see it, it's going to be a problem. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Australia is possibly not um, on your bucket list either then. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Believe me in the city. I've, I've never seen anything scary. So don't worry about it. When you come to visit me eventually, it'll be all good. Yeah. And when you come to visit me, I promise I will not take you into the woods. Also, I wouldn't mind too much. Like, I feel like it would be it's like a bear or something I'd be scared of over there instead of something biting me. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who has bears in his yard, not anywhere near me, but yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a little too much for me. I, I like seeing the photos and because it's a bear. It's a bear. Yeah, they're a bit cuter. Well, at least at a distance, they're a bit cuter. Marlena, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm oh, you're so welcome. As always, I love chatting to you because you're just super interesting. Go and check out Marlena. You can find her on Instagram. You can find her on LinkedIn. You can find her on our website. And definitely go and check out your iconic image podcast as well. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to Personal Branding Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the others, then please listen to some more, but also share it with your friends and leave a review. I'm a pretty new podcast, so that means quite a lot for me and I really appreciate your kind words. Social media, if you have any feedback or you just want to just want to chat really send me a message i'm normally found on instagram or linkedin there where i like to hang out but i do have facebook if that's your thing and also on the website you can get my details there and you can get in touch thank you so much for getting this far if you want a little bit more though these episodes actually go out live every tuesday at 8 p.m western standard time here in western australia at 8 p.m which if you're in canada or america that'll be first thing in the morning for you so you can uh, listen over your morning coffee and if you're in the uk it will be over your lunch break I speak to these amazing people every single Tuesday and they just expose their personal brands to us. They tell us what makes them tick, what motivates them. We hear their stories of where they've come from and where they are now and how they got there. There's loads you can take from this, lots of uh, motivation and inspiration. Like These people are awesome and they really niche down. They know what it is that they're doing, so there's so much to take away from them. I have got this amazing lineup of people coming up, so make sure it's in your diary, 8pm Western Standard Time and the podcast drops every Wednesday. Till next time.